0: Greetings and welcome to the July 15th edition of Reading Through the Bible in a Year from Mighty Through God. Today I'll be reading 1 Chronicles chapter 19 verse 1 through chapter 21 verse 30. Romans chapter 2 verses 25 through chapter 3 verse 8. Psalm 11 and Proverbs 19 verses 11 and 12 and today I'm reading from the New International Version and I'll be reading the Psalms from the King James Version. This section is titled, David Defeats the Ammonites. In the course of time, Nahash, king of the Ammonites, died and his son succeeded him as king. David thought, I will show kindness to Hunan, son of Nahash, because his father showed kindness to me. So David sent a delegation to express his sympathy to Hanan concerning his father. When David's envoys came to Hanan in the land of the Ammonites to express sympathy to him, the Ammonite commanders said to Hanan, Do you think David is honoring your father by sending envoys to you to express sympathy? Haven't his envoys come to you only to explore and spy out the country and overthrow it? So Hanan seized David's envoys, shaved them, cut off their garments at the buttocks, and sent them away. When someone came and told David about the men, he sent messengers to meet them, for they were greatly humiliated. The king said, Stay at Jericho till your beards have grown, and then come back. Then the Ammonites realized that they had become obnoxious to David. Hanan and the Ammonites sent a thousand talents of silver to hire chariots and charioteers from Aram Nahiram, Aram Makkah, and Zobah. They hired 32,000 chariots and charioteers, as well as the king of Makkah, with his troops, who came and camped near Medeba, while the Ammonites were mustered from their towns and moved out for battle. On hearing this, David sent Joab out with the entire army of fighting men. The Ammonites came out and drew up in battle formation at the entrance to their city, while the kings who had come were by themselves in the open country. Joab saw that there were battle lines in front of him and behind him, so he selected some of the best troops in Israel and deployed them against the Arameans. He put the rest of the men under the command of Abishai, his brother, and they were deployed against the Ammonites. Joab said, If the Arameans are too strong for me, then you are to rescue me. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will rescue you. Be strong and let us fight bravely for our people and the cities of our God. The Lord will do what is right in his sight. Then Joab and the troops with him advanced to fight the Arameans, and they fled before him. When the Ammonites realized that the Arameans were fleeing, they too fled before his brother Abishai and went inside the city. So Joab went back to Jerusalem. After the Arameans saw that they had been routed by Israel. They sent messengers and had Arameans brought from beyond the Euphrates River with Shofak, the commander of Hadadezer's army, leading them. When David was told of this, he gathered all Israel and crossed the Jordan. He advanced against them and formed his battle lines opposite them. David formed his lines to meet the Arameans in battle and they fought against him. But they fled before Israel, and David killed 7,000 of their charioteers and 40,000 of their foot soldiers. He also killed Shophak, the commander of their army. When the vassals of Hadadezar saw that they had been routed by Israel, they made peace with David and became subject to him. So the Arameans were not willing to help the Ammonites any more. Chapter 20 In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, Joab led out the armed forces. He laid waste the land of the Ammonites and went to Rabbah and besieged it. But David remained in Jerusalem. Joab attacked Rabbah and left it in ruins. David took the crown from the head of their king. Its weight was found to be a talent of gold and it was set with precious stones, and it was placed on David's head. He took a great quantity of plunder from the city and brought out the people who were there, consigning them to labor with saws and with iron picks and axes. David did this to all the Ammonite towns. Then David and his entire army returned to Jerusalem. In the course of time, war broke out with the Philistines at Gezer, At the time Shibakai the Hushathite killed Sippai, one of the descendants of the Rephaites, and the Philistines were subjugated. In another battle with the Philistines, Elhanan son of Jair killed Lamai, the brother of Goliath the Gittite, who had a spear and a shaft like a weaver's rod. In still another battle which took place at Gath there was a huge man with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot 24 in all he also was descended from rapha when he taunted israel jonathan son of sheme david's brother killed him these were descendants of rapha and gath and they fell at the hands of david and his men chapter 21 Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census of Israel. So David said to Joab and the commanders of the troops, Go and count the Israelites from Beersheba to Dan. Then report back to me, so that I may know how many there are. But Joab replied, May the Lord multiply his troops a hundred times over. My lord the king, are they not all my lord's subjects? Why does my lord want to do this? Why should he bring guilt on Israel? The king's word, however, overruled Joab, so Joab left and went throughout Israel, and then came back to Jerusalem. Joab reported the number of the fighting men to David. In all Israel, there were 1,100,000 men who could handle a sword, including 470,000 in Judah. But Joab did not include Levi and Benjamin in the numbering, because the king's command was repulsive to him. This command was also evil in the sight of God, so he punished Israel. Then David said to God, I have sinned greatly by doing this. Now I beg you, take away the guilt of your servant. I have done a very foolish thing. The Lord said to Gad, David's seer, go and tell David, this is what the Lord says, I am giving you three options. Choose one of them for me to carry out against you. So Gad went to David and said to him, This is what the Lord says. Take your choice, three years of famine, three months of being swept away before your enemies with their swords overtaking you, or three days of the sword of the Lord, days of plague in the land, with the angel of the Lord ravaging every part of Israel. Now then, decide how I should answer the one who sent me. David said to Gad, I am in deep distress. Let me fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is very great, but do not let me fall into human hands. So the Lord sent a plague on Israel and 70,000 men of Israel fell dead. And God sent an angel to destroy Jerusalem. But as the angel was doing so, the Lord saw it and relented concerning the disaster and said to the angel who was destroying the people, Enough, withdraw your hand. The angel of the Lord was then standing at the threshing floor of Arona, the Jebusite. David looked up and saw the angel of the Lord standing between heaven and earth with a drawn sword in his hand extended over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders clothed in sackcloth fell face down David said to God was it not I who ordered the fighting men to be counted I the shepherd have sinned and done wrong these are but sheep what have they done Lord my God let your hand fall on me and my family but do not let this plague remain on your people then the angel of the Lord ordered Gad to tell David to go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana the Jebusite. So David went up in obedience to the word that, that Gad had spoken in the name of the Lord. While Arana was threshing wheat, he turned and saw the angel. His four sons, who were with him, hid themselves. Then David approached, and when Arana looked and saw him, he left the threshing floor and bowed down before David with his face to the ground. David said to him, Let me have the sight of your threshing floor, so I can build an altar to the Lord, that the plague on the people may be stopped. Sell it to me at full price. Arana said to David, Take it, let my lord the king do whatever pleases him. Look, I will give the oxen for the burnt offerings, the threshing sledges for the wood, and the wheat the wheat. the grain offering i will give all this but king david replied to arona no i insist on paying the full price i will not take for the lord what is yours or sacrifice a burnt offering that costs me nothing so david paid arona 600 shekels of gold for the site david built an altar to the lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings He called on the Lord, and the Lord answered him with fire from heaven on the altar of burnt offering. Then the Lord spoke to the angel, and he put his sword back in its sheath. At that time, when David saw that the Lord had answered him on the threshing floor of Oronah the Jebusite, he offered sacrifices there. The tabernacle of the Lord, which Moses had made in the wilderness, and the altar of burnt offering were at that time on the high place at Gibeon, but David could not go before it to inquire of God because he was afraid of the sword of the angel of the Lord. Romans 2, beginning with verse 25 Circumcision has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, you have become as though you had not been circumcised. So then, If those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? The one who is circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you, who, even though you have the written code and circumcision, are a lawbreaker. A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. Chapter 3 What advantage then is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. What if some were unfaithful? Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every human being a liar, as it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. But if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? that God is unjust in bringing His wrath on us? I am using a human argument. Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Someone might argue, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases His glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? Why not say, as some slanderously claim, that we say, let us do evil that good may result their condemnation is just psalm 11 in the lord i put my trust how say ye to my soul flee as a bird to your mountain for lo the wicked bend their bow they make ready their arrow upon the string that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart if the foundations be destroyed what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids try the children of man. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness, his countenance doth behold the upright. Proverbs 19 verses 10 through 12 Is it not fitting for a fool to live in luxury? How much worse for a slave to rule over princes? A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. A king's rage is like the roar of a lion, But his favor is like dew on the grass. And so concludes the reading for July 15. Be blessed.